Welcome to Healing Your Families. I am so grateful to have this platform of win-win women where I can share six areas of help for families. And this month, our theme is going to be emotional well-being or emotional health. Now, when I was younger, a teenager or young adult, I remember sincerely wishing I could just have my emotions surgically removed. They just got me into trouble. I didn't see that they were, there was any benefit at all to having emotions. And fortunately, as I matured and grew, I learned to appreciate my emotions. I also did a lot of studying and reading trying to understand emotions. And I learned that emotions are just energy and we can convert energy. Energy is power that we can change and convert to use in any way we want, that we can actually learn from our emotions. I even learned that whereas in the past, we always looked at IQ and grades and the type of education someone got. And we looked at that as this is going to be a predictor of whether or not they'll be successful in adult life. Well, we found that is not true. How we manage our emotions is a much more accurate predictor of success. I think we've all know of really intelligent people who just don't know how to get along. And quite often, most frequently, people are fired from a job not because they can't do the work, but because they can't get along with other people. They can't manage their emotions appropriately. So I was really excited. I want to focus this episode on five steps that parents can use to act as an emotion coach for their children. Of course, we want our children to have this valuable knowledge too, to learn how to use their emotions and how to manage them in an appropriate way that leads to successful per- success in their professional and personal life. So I want to begin by sharing with you two books that I highly recommend. The first one is Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. And this is the book that helped me understand my emotions. It helped me learn more about myself and and how I could be more aware of my emotions, more effective at regulating them and using them to motivate me, using that energy as motivation to work towards a goal and to communicate more effectively with other people. The second book was written sometime later based heavily on Daniel Goleman's book. And it was written by Dr. John Gottman, Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child and Family Relationship Coach That I Am, I think that's what every parent wants. They want to be able to help their child learn how to navigate that complicated world of emotions. 
Now, think of all of the roles that you play as a parent. You have many hats. For this episode, I want you to consider your role as a coach. Now, the coach prepares the team members. They teach them the skills. They guide them through practice. They cheer them on and encourage them and inspire them. But they don't jump in, grab the ball, and play the game for them. They stand on the sidelines as the team members play that game using the skills they've been taught. And remember, as a parent, your most powerful, most influential method of teaching your children is your example. Your children will learn how to handle stress by watching how you handle it. They'll learn how to resolve an argument by watching how you do it. So please remember that first and foremost, the airlines are right. We need to put our own oxygen mask on first. As you work on managing your emotions, just that alone will be a powerful example to your children. And I want to share with you a quote from the book. Daniel Goleman wrote this. There are hundreds of studies showing that how parents treat their children, whether with harsh discipline or empathic understanding, with indifference or warmth, and so on, has deep and lasting consequences for the child's emotional life. Only recently, though, have there been hard data showing that having emotionally intelligent parents is itself of enormous benefit to a child. So just by becoming emotionally intelligent yourself, just by learning to manage your own emotions, you'll do a great service for your child and set them on that path to a more successful adulthood. Now, let's go through these five steps. Awareness is always an effective first step. As you spend time with your child, you communicate with your child, you become in tune with their moods, and you become much more familiar with their emotions. So being aware of your child's emotion. Maybe you have that long list of things to do, errands to run, and there are just two more stops you want to make. But you can tell because you're familiar with your child's emotions that they've reached their breaking point. And making those two additional stops could mean a one of those loud, angry outbursts in public. Or you can tell that your child, when they withdraw from a situation, you'll be able to tell, are they fearful? Are they apprehensive? Are they just shy? And you'll be able to recognize your child's emotion. Now, the next step is 
counterintuitive. Quite often when we can sense our child's having this, especially if it's a negative emotion, it's anger, it's sadness, it's getting noisy. The tendency is to want them to stop. There is the natural tendency to tell them to stop crying or tell them that's nothing to cry about. That's no big deal. And especially if we're in public, it can be very embarrassing. You may find yourself wanting to give them something, anything to get them to stop. Change your mindset, change your attitude and recognize this is one of those precious teaching moments that are so valuable to parents. See this as an opportunity. You now have the opportunity to connect more closely with your child and to teach them, to help them learn more about how they can manage their emotions. You're preparing them for the big game of life. And this is a essential practice. You've got the opportunity right now to be the coach and to teach them. So change that attitude to one of gratitude. Oh, good. This is a teaching moment. I'm going to make the best use of it. And then, of course, you make the best use of it by listening. Listening very carefully. When you listen empathetically, that means you're putting yourself in their place. You're thinking, how would I feel if I were them? You're listening. You're using active listening. You're, you're focusing completely on them. You're not on your phone. You're not trying to multitask and do something else. And worst of all, you're not mentally planning what you're going to say when they stop talking. You are listening to understand. And you're listening to more than just their words. You're listening to what they don't say. You're paying attention to their body language. You're using curiosity rather than judgment. Rather than judging, this is a silly thing to get upset about. You're being ridiculous. You're curious. You're asking open-ended questions that invite them to talk more and explain because you want to understand, you want to be able to stand in their shoes. And you're not gonna jump on the field and take away the ball. You realize this is a skill you are helping them to learn. So you're going to provide the support as they work through it. Now, in the book, Dr. Gottman gave the example of a four-year-old boy named Kyle. And it was his little brother's birthday. So here in the mail came a package from grandma and grandpa and there was no package for Kyle. And Kyle was annoyed. He stamped his foot and he said, that isn't fair. Obviously it'd be very easy for his parents to say, but Kyle, it's not your birthday, it's your brother's birthday. You don't get a present on your birthday. But they listened. They let him talk and express his feelings, which led very logically to the next step. 
because they were listening, his father was able to say, I bet that makes you kind of jealous. And he gave Kyle a valuable gift. He allowed Kyle to put a label on his emotions. Now, when you do that, when you make that communication with your child, it tells them that you understand, you validate their feelings, and it gives them a word to describe their feeling. When that happens, that, that act of labeling emotions can have a soothing effect on the nervous system. It helps them to calm down and to recover more quickly. Have you noticed that yourself? Have you ever heard an adult angrily insisting, I am not angry? The more you resist an emotion, it intensifies. But when you acknowledge, I'm feeling angry, it allows you to calm down. It allows you to accept it and take the next step, move on. This is also a valuable time to teach your child about mixed emotions. It's okay to feel more than one emotion at a time. They may be really excited about school starting, yes, but they're also feeling rather apprehensive and a little bit scared, and that's okay. Recognizing the emotions, being aware of them, putting a name on, a label on them, being able to identify them is huge for children. Now, the last step may be very challenging for most parents. We need to set limits. You've probably said things like, I know you are angry, but it's not okay to hit people. When you say things like that to your child, that's teaching them there's the, the feeling is not the problem. It's okay to feel angry. The behavior is the problem. It's what we choose to do with our anger that makes a difference. Let me give you an example with adults. Many times in our recent events, we've seen adults who become very angry about a social injustice, something that's just not right. And some adults will choose to join a mob, start throwing bricks, start destroying property, looting, burning. And some adults take that same energy from anger, they're angry too, but they take that energy and they start a nonprofit. They band with like-minded people to effect a change. I'm thinking of Tim Ballard. Tim Ballard was a CIA operative. And on one of his assignments, he was helping to rescue children of United States citizens who had been kidnapped and taken to other countries. And he successfully completed his mission, but he saw that there were other children who had been kidnapped and were being used in the sex trafficking industry. It was a horrible life for these children. They, he told his, his superior, I want to rescue these children too. And his supervisor said, you can't do that. That's out of our jurisdiction. Do you know what he did with his anger? 
he turned in his badge and he started the nonprofit Operation Underground Railroad. And now he's working with people around the world to rescue children who have been kidnapped. So anger can do a lot of good. And we teach our children this process. Now, breaking this down on a child level, say your child comes home from school, he's very dejected. The friends who normally play with him wouldn't play with him. They made fun of him. They wouldn't let him join in. He had no one to play with at recess. You can help validate, put a label on it. He's feeling rejected, abandoned, and then help him set goals. He has this energy from this emotion. What will he do with it? Does he want to find some way to bridge the gap with the friends who abandoned him? See if there's some way he can get on their good side? Or does he want to make new friends? Obviously, your child would be making the decision, but you can guide them through it. And it's like teaching them to walk. At the beginning, you're going to be supporting them a lot. Is your toddler starting to walk? You're going to be supporting him. Eventually, you'll just be holding his hand. And then the time comes when they're walking independently. It's the same process with being their emotion coach. Depending on the age and ability level of your child, you can start offering some tentative suggestions. Maybe ask them questions to get them thinking. Brainstorm with them. And maybe start listing some possible solutions, plans, goals of what they want, and steps of how they're going to get there. Things like, well, there's some other boys I don't know very well, and they weren't playing with anybody. Maybe I could become better acquainted with them. But as any proposed solutions, you're, again, part of the setting limits, you're, you have standards in your family. So you're gonna evaluate the possible solutions based on your family's values. Obviously, this is part of teaching your child to be a responsible person, to be kind and considerate. So setting those limits, the feeling isn't the problem, it's the behavior that's the problem. And there are appropriate behavior standards, structure we need to follow. And then as we come up with a solution, it needs to be in alignment with our family values. Powerful lessons that you can go through with your children. Now, invariably, there will be those times when you don't know how effective you can be as an emotion coach because you're struggling with your own emotions. Maybe there are those situations where you feel like your children are just pushing your buttons. They know it's gonna aggravate you. They're, they're engaging in behavior that they know is gonna set you off. And you just find yourself giving that knee-jerk response and then deeply regretting it afterwards. 
This is a common scenario. I remember it happening frequently when I was raising my children and it's common with the families I work with. So I wrote a guide. It's called Eight Steps to Change a Negative Reaction into a Positive Response. It's steps you can take before, during, and after an incident such as this to help you keep, manage your emotions and be that calm, patient parent that you want to be. If you just go to emmalupenrod.com forward slash eight steps, you can get that PDF file. Well, thank you for joining me and join me again next week at the same time. I have a number of guests lined up speaking on various topics under this broad category of emotional well-being. So until next week at the same time, this is Emily Penrod. Let's make the world a better place by strengthening families. And visit my website, healingyourfamilies.com.